Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start a new series tonight. It's a new year. Praise God. It's a new season. It's a new day. Fresh anointings. I love that. I can't sing, but I sure can sing. Or I can't sing, but I can sing. I don't know how that works. Ephesians. Go to the book of Ephesians. Uh, I'm distracting you quickly. Ephesians. Ephesians. Book of Ephesians and... uh, Chapter 4. Go to chapter 4. I'm excited about this new series because what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about all the right stuff, and it is not a uh, boy band song album. <laughs> uh, I didn't know that until somebody called that to my attention today. But, uh, so, uh, but we want to talk about tonight this fact that you are needed. One of the things that's so important for all of us is that we have significance. Amen? Just shake your head. Amen. That we have significance, that what we do matters, and that what we do actually, and and you start getting my age, you start thinking in legacy terms, you start thinking about what am I leaving behind? Who am I setting up for success? Have I been diligent in raising up the generation behind me? And I look at guys like Christian and Kaysen and and most of our team, and I'm going, this is exciting that our worship team it has such a blend of ages and generations involved and multi-gen- I mean, multicultural, multi-generational. And it's exciting to see that we're raising up the next group. And we've got 15-year-olds in the back learning guitar and getting ready. I was talking to Eric Pitney. He's getting excited because in a few weeks he's going to start playing guitar for the youth worship team. And, and he just picked that up. So we're, we're, we're bringing things to the next generation. We start thinking that way. But in this term, in this, in this season right now, you need to know, and everybody, it's a natural thing to know, is am I significant? And what, is what I'm doing, does it matter? Because there's nothing worse than to live a life that doesn't matter. At least in your mind, you think it doesn't. But let me tell you something tonight. You, child of God, matter. You matter to God, but you also matter to a world that's looking for answers. A world that's looking for a better way because the way it's going out there is not working. Amen? Say, I have the answer. Jesus is the answer. I just got songs just running through my head. All the right stuff. Tools for success. And tonight we're going to talk about you are needed. Ephesians chapter 4. We'll start in verse 11. This will kind of be really the, the, the cornerstone. And our foundation for where we're going with this series. If you look up on the screen, we have it up there. And look what it says. It was He. This is God Himself, Jesus. And we'll see back in verse 7 later, later as we backtrack a little bit. We'll see that when Jesus ascended, after descending, after He ascended, the Bible says He gave gifts to men. Say, I'm gifted. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're gifted. It says, it was he, Jesus, who gave some to be. Now, this is concerning the body of Christ. Look what we got. Apostles. You know what an apostle is? An apostle is, a, is one who sins and one who is sent. And a way to say it in our terms today or in our vernacular is apostles are connectors. They are literally connectors. You get around somebody that has an apostolic grace on them. They're the kind of people that grab six people, connect them and introduce them, and then they go off and find six more. And uh, hanging around Rice Brooks a little bit, my gosh, that guy is apostolic scary, where literally he's just grabbing people and introduce, connect, introduce, connect, introduce, connect. Someone say connection. 
See, we want to connect. And so, so that apostolic grace, but it says he gave some to be, and there's five here, and it's a five-fold ministry. You can think of it in terms of how your hand works together. It's coordinated. Hopefully, you have dexterity in your hands. You can play an instrument, or you work a tool, or you write. You, you have dexterity because everything works together. And it says, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets. Now, are all prophets? Will all prophesy? Bible says they will. That doesn't mean you hold the office or the position of prophet. So you have those who are apostles. They're by position, by office is the way you could say it. Like the president is an office. The presidency is an office. So you can say it in the same way. So you've got apostles in office, but are all called to be apostolic in nature? Answer is yes. Why? Because we're called to be sent, we're called to send, and we're called to connect. Does that make sense? So we're all called to do that, but yet we may not all be apostles in the office. Here's how this, well, uh, let me get through it and I'll tell you how it works. Some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be evangelists. There are some people that have a grace on their life where wherever they go, they talk to people about Jesus and people come to Christ. I am not an evangelist by office, okay? I'll have a conversation. I'll talk about Jesus. Somebody sitting by me who's an evangelist have the same conversation. They'll lead three people to Jesus while I'm still talking to people. That's because it's a grace that's on their life. Mark Hewitt is an, is an evangelist. Rice Brooks has an evangelistic edge. Even though he's a po- apostolic, he is an evangelist to the core. And then some to be pastors and teachers. So you have five different offices here. And I walk in this of pastor and, and pastor and teacher. And it's, it's contended by some theologians that, that the conjunction there, I, that ties pastor and teachers together is, is literally means that office may be one and the same. And it typically, well, I've seen it played out in life. If you have a pastor, typically a teacher, a teaching pastor. So all that works together. Now, how that works is this. How many of you have ever been, now back in the old day, if you were in, how many of you came out of a traditional background? What you'd say is a more traditional background. Okay. If you were in a traditional background like mine, about a couple of times a year, we'd schedule a revival. Remember that? We scheduled that God's going to show up in March and then sometime in the fall. So we do a fall revival and spring revival. It couldn't show up any other time, only when we scheduled these, okay? I'm just kidding. But y'all, y'all know, you get the, you know what I'm talking about. You know the drill. And uh, so we'd schedule it. But here's what happened. Interesting enough, every time an evangelist came to our church, all of a sudden people would start getting saved. And we might not have had a salvation for two years or, except for when the revivals hit. And then, then when an evangelist showed up, people start getting saved. And then what did it do? It stirred up the gift of evangelism in that body. Then the evangelist hops in his RV Y'all remember that? They'd park outside the church. They'd hop in their RV and go on to the next gig. And then there would be, for a few weeks, the residue of evangelism would be very powerful. Anybody remember that? So what would happen, and what's happening here, is that these gifts given to the church in these offices actually come in, and they stir up, empower, and release these anointings or these graces, and they empower people to do these things. Does that make sense? So you may not be an evangelist, but you will be evangelistic when an evangelist is in your presence. It will stir that gift up in you. Does that make sense? So when each of these offices are in operation in the church, this is the whole goal of having a body, is that is identifying those who walk in these offices, because within this body, we have this fulfilled probably several times over 
We may not know it, but we have it. And one of our goals is to continue to engage you relationally, get to know you, going through the, and taking the spiritual gifts test and going through foundations and growing and maturing. And we will see over time those giftings will, will rise up and you don't even have to try because it's who you are. It's what's inside of you. And these things will rise up. So what we want to see, and one thing I'm excited about Pastor Rice Bruce, he just wrote his doctoral thesis at Fuller Seminary, and he wrote, and it's the only doctoral thesis that's ever been written on the office of evangelist in the church. Think about it. Fuller Theological Seminary, in all the decades that it's been going, no one has ever written a doctoral thesis about the office of evangelist and that function in the church. Is that crazy or what? So in that... Fuller Seminary was actually devoted to, and, and Dr. Fuller, who started that seminary, was actually an evangelist, and yet there's never been a thesis written on that. So there's a gaping hole in this idea of an evangelist working in the local church, because typically what's happened is we've relegated the, the evangelist to an RV and a passport. Good luck. God bless you. Hope you get some gigs out there so you can eat and feed your family. But yet, the office of evangelist is indeed supposed to be in the local church. And so anyway, exciting things are happening there, and Pastor Rice is developing a plan to bring in and stir up evangelism in-house. And I've identified those of you that are evangelists because you're here. And he's, he's, de- he's devoted or given significant time to a, a uh, kind of an inventory, like a, kind of like a psychological profile or a strength finder says, where you can literally be- begin to identify the evangelist in the house. So anyway, those are those five offices. The pastor should be stirring up the gift of pastoring in you and teaching. You should want to teach. There should be something about what I do that causes you to want to connect, want to love people, want, want, to, want to, to, to teach, want to disciple. That ought to be happening. If it's not, then I need to, I need to, I need to be brighter. I need to burn more, burn hotter. Amen? All right, Ephesians 4, let's keep going through this. Didn't mean to bog down, but I want to, want to set this up for you as we go into this series. Here's the purpose of these offices. The purpose of these gifts are for this reason, to prepare you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's definitely talking about you. Okay, did anybody get left out in that? If you did, I'm going to cover it broad. I'm talking about you and to you. To prepare you, God's people, Four, works of service. Another translation says work of ministry. Service, ministry, same thing. So that, and here's the reason, in order that or so that the body of Christ may be built up. We're bodybuilding here. We're pumping spiritual iron here as we equip you to do what you're called to do. So that's what's going on. You may built up until. Now, when this happens, we can stop. When we reach unity in the faith, all when everybody here reaches unity in the faith, then we can quit. And in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. When we're all mature, we can quit. How many know we're not quite there? Maybe 85, 96%, I don't know. Not quite there. Attaining, look what it says, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. If that was happening, this city would be one to Jesus already, right? So we got to keep working at this. Then... When that happens, here's the idea, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching 
and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. So when the secret comes out on video on the internet, you don't buy into it and go, okay, well, I'm all about the secret here, and I'm all about this. And, and you're not designing your own faith. You're actually walking in maturity. You're not getting blown back and forth. I mean, all of a sudden, all these new designer doctrines come out and designer cults and faiths come out. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I'm going to take a little bit of that. I'm going to reject some of my old stuff. I'm, gonna, you need, I'm just going to design my own belief system. Oh, boy, you are so on your own when that happens. Dangerous. So he says that will no longer be blown here and there. And I, you always hear me say this, that we want to lay such foundations that when the winds blow, and Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, when the winds come, the waves come, they beat against that house. When the winds blow, we, we know we will be bent, but we don't have to be broken. Amen? Amen? It's okay to be bent, but we want to make you so solid that your roots are so deep, your foundations are so secure that you will not be broken by the stuff of life. Amen? Does that make sense? It says, okay, keep going. Instead, here's what we're supposed to be doing. Instead of being broken and, and like little babies, here's what we're supposed to be doing. Speaking the truth. There's not a period there. Because let me tell you, I, I've had people speak truth to me before, but it was not in love. And how you know the truth, it's not, you know, love is like a gel cap on some really bad medicine. Love just makes it go down. Love, when somebody loves you enough to look you in the eyes and speak the truth to you, you can take it. You can receive it because it's, it's encapsulated in love. It's covered. The gel cap makes it go down. So instead of speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. See, we're not trying to make disciples. See, I'm not trying to make disciples that look like me, talk like me. Lord, no. One of me is enough. That's all we can take. Amen? One of you is, a, one of you is enough. <laughs> I didn't. I, I, that was kind of rhetorical. Wasn't that meant to be out loud? But that's okay, baby. We're starting a new series called "Love and Respect" in two weeks. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. All right, we are. By the way, love and respect is going to be amazing. All right, so we're going to grow up at, because here's the deal: we don't want to make disciples to us. We want to make disciples to Jesus. Amen. I'm telling you, the most sick kind of discipleship, and it's not discipleship, it's a cult in nature, is where you try to gather people unto yourself, and then you create little mini-me's. When I was in seminary, it was hysterical, man. You could tell the guys who were the youth ministers, because they all carried backpacks and had mullets. <laughs> Late 80s, folks. And they wore t-shirts that all said, you know, white cross, white heart, you know, the bands of the day. And then you could tell the theological students, the very intellectual wannabes, they carried briefcase and wore slacks. So you get the theological students and the, and the RE guys. I was an RE guy, obviously. And in the same class, it was hysterical. I mean, it was like, like opposite brothers, you know. I mean, completely different ends of the spectrum. But, you know, we're little mini-me's of those kinds of people we wanted to be like and what we wanted to represent. And at some point we got to become, start to look like Jesus instead of our favorite rock band. Amen? Amen. Start looking like Jesus instead of our favorite celebrity. Amen? Amen. Uh, now I'm preaching. So I was just teaching. Then I slipped over into preaching, didn't I? So, so we want to we wanna grow up into Christ. That's what's so critical here to understand. And that's why you'll see that toolbox in the background, those tools laying around. The right tool will generate the right result. 
is there's nothing more frustrating than try to work with the wrong tools. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So maybe you're working on a car engine. I mean, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I used to just bang my knuckles up and do crazy stuff because I had the wrong tools trying to make something work. And all that'll do is get you hurt, and it'll get, your, it'll get things messed up. So we want to be able to equip you and give you tools because, listen, I believe that God has called you to be successful. That's what the word prosper means. When you default to money, when you hear the word prosperity, you're just missing the point entirely because it's a whole life prosperity. It's a balanced life. It's, it's somebody that people can look at and go, that's what I want to be like when I grow up in Christ. So we want to grow up in Christ into the head. That is Jesus. So look at that toolbox in the background. That's what we want to do is give you some tools. Verse 16, Pastor Rich read this earlier. From him, the whole body. Someone say the whole body. It's the whole body of Christ. It's all of us together as a family. All of us together. In this together. Joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Think in terms of how the body works. Ligaments, tendons, your skeletal system, your frame. All that working together. It grows and builds itself up in love. The love walk is one of the most critical and most under-preached, under-taught messages in the entire Bible. We think we know what love is, but we don't. We think we do. And that's why we check out when somebody says, I'm going to teach on, we're going to talk about love today. Oh, I already know that. We, we start texting or something. We get on Facebook and church. But because we think we already know. And that's the problem. We're so deceived, we think we already know. Let me tell you something. There are, there are so many levels and layers to the love of Christ as we mature in this thing. All we know is where we are now, but we, are, we don't fully know yet. Amen? Bible even says right now that all of us see through a glass dimly. You ever try to look into an old house and it's real bright outside and you can't look, but you're, you're cupping your eyes over just so you can see inside. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What were y'all doing peeking in somebody's house? I'm just kidding. Y'all know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. You're looking. We're looking at houses. You're trying to see, and you're looking through a dim glass, and, and you just see, and there's nothing to see. It's difficult. And that's really life is like that right now. And maturity means that as we grow and mature in Christ, things become more clear. Things become more defined. Things come into focus. And I'm telling you, you know, as much as my body is not happy about growing older, my spirit, my heart, my mind is absolutely excited because I know a lot more at 48 than I did at 28. And that's not to condescend on 28. I'm just saying just life experience has brought things into clarity and brought things. It's not complete. I'm still looking through a, a glass and I see dimly, but, but we're getting, it's getting clearer. Look what it says. Builds itself up in love. And here's the key phrase. Pastor Rich read this earlier. This is the key phrase. I want you to look at this. As each part does its work. Every one of us are a part. We have a part to play in this thing. Nothing more sad than going to a church and just having a bunch of, bunch of pew sitters or Folks that just want to ride the pine. You know what ride the pine means? as a football expression. I mean, that's sitting on the bench. Come on, go get them. Go get them. And we have a lot of grace here for people who come in. Because sometimes people come in and they need to heal. Some people have been very damaged, very hurt. And to put weight on somebody too quickly, it's just to crush them. But, you know, everybody can carry something. A little something. 
And let me tell you something. There is something for everybody. God has an assignment for you. And I want to start this series on Wednesday night talking about this because I want you to understand you're needed. You're needed. You're necessary. You're not expendable. You're needed. Everybody here. And I want to show you some things in the scriptures and re- share you some scriptures with you about this. But the fact that, that, number one, if you're going to jot some things down, I want you to know something. Every person here is gifted. You are gifted. Turn to your neighbor again say, you're gifted. You are gifted. My goodness. Jesus Christ laid his life down, died on a cross for you. And the Bible says back in verse 7 of this same chapter. In fact, once you show that. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. In other words, he has given gifts to men. Look what it says. Keep going. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train. And then look what he did. He gave gifts to men. He gave gifts. Someone say, Jesus Jesus gave gifts gifts to me. me. No one said you, did they? I meant to you. Jesus gave gifts to you. So you're gifted. Now, that doesn't mean you've unwrapped those gifts. That doesn't mean you've developed those gifts or cultivated those gifts, but you are gift-laden. And you know what's so awesome about giftings and gift packages is that no two are the same. It's like your fingerprint. No two are the same. It's like your, your eyeball, your, your iris. And it, there's none the same. They're very unique. It's like snowflakes. They are unique, and you have a unique gift set. And no one is just like you. Someone may be similar to you, but they're not just like you. You have something unique. And if your gift set is not being worked, if you're not executing what you've been called to do and been gifted to do, been graced to do, as it says, then we're not getting everything that's available. We're missing something. So you've been gifted. Now, number two. You have also been given a measure of faith. Because it's going to take faith to do in 2011 what God has called you to do, created you to do, and gifted you to do. It's going to take faith. I wish... Now, here's the thing about faith. Faith is tough because it takes faith to have faith. Faith Faith is not one of those commodities that just... You get it. Now, there is a gift of faith available. And there are times when, I don't know about you, but I'll get a surge of faith. I'm like, where did that come from? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost, in a moment, for whatever reason, poured out on me a gift of faith. And all of a sudden, it might be for a short burst. It might be like Peter walking on water for a few steps. But there's a burst of faith. There's something released. That's a gift of faith. But we've also all been given a measure of faith. Look at the scripture. I love this in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 3. Look what it says. This is the apostle Paul speaking, and he says this, For I say, through the grace given to me. Remember what grace means? God's power. He says, through the power of God, this is what I say. He's saying, God said. In other words, this is strong what he's about to say. To everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. In other words, take what you do seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. Amen? Man, I don't know about you, but I get all messed up when I start getting all serious about myself. Seriously. 
If I can't just learn to laugh at myself, because trust me, somebody's laughing at me right now, okay? So I'd, I've just got to laugh along with them. Now, I take, now, what I do, I take very seriously. The kingdom of God, the things of God, what we do, we take seriously. But my gosh, we got we to gotta give ourselves some grace, amen? He says this, so you got to think soberly about yourself and just realize some days you just got to look in the mirror and laugh instead of cry, amen? Because sometimes we're just so serious. So, Lord, lighten up. You're killing yourself. All right, look what he says. Think soberly, think rightly, sound mind, clear-headed, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. You've been given a measure of faith. Now, here's the thing. What I love about faith is that even, no matter what the measure, it's a different measure. Whatever the measure you've been given, here's the beauty is you can develop it. Right. Just like every one of us have been given an earth suit, right? A body. Most of us don't like the one we've been given. Isn't that the weirdest thing? We're always envying somebody else. My daughter, all of a sudden at 10 years old, is starting to envy other people's hair. She has a beautiful hair. I mean, it's like stunning. But she wants really curly hair. So what do we do? We go buy these, remember the uh, sponge curlers? So, yeah, we go buy those. She sleeps in those one night. She's had enough. I mean, it's like painful. And she gets up, and I mean, she looks like Shirley Temple. I mean, like her hair is really long. And all of a sudden, you know, for, for a day or two, it was cool. But then it was like, okay, you ready to roll them again? Oh, no, that was painful. So she did it for the place. She's done it twice. And, but she'll talk about, oh, so-and-so's got curly hair. And I'm going, I'm going girl... You need to understand something, baby. All those kids that have curly hair are looking at your hair going, gosh, she has the most beautiful straight hair. So I had to explain to her that growing up that I suffered from the same malady. I had the same issue going on. But we've been given this earth suit, but we're always looking because we're not satisfied with what we've been given. The beauty of it is, is we can do something about it. Have you ever watched The Biggest Loser? One of my favorite shows. I cry every time. It's awesome. Bob Gillian, my heroes. While I'm sitting there eating my Twix and drinking Diet Coke, I'm like, go get them, you know. Hit the gyms. Get on that treadmill. Tear it up. This pops some popcorn. All right. So I love that show. But they're doing something about their condition. Now, here's the deal. You've been given a measure of faith, and it's different, but it can be developed. And one of the things we want to help you do in 2011 is really develop your foundation of faith. I'm not talking about presumptuous faith. I'm talking about Bible faith because there's a difference. A lot of us go off in presumption and start calling those things that be not as though they were as though we know what they should be. So we want to develop a strong foundation for faith because you can grow your faith. Romans 10, 17, if you've been around here, you've heard it. If you're not, you need to get familiar with this verse. Romans 10, 17, let's look at that. Oh, you know what, Randall? I threw you a curveball. I typed that in after I sent it to you. Romans 10, 17. How about I quote it? Because I am a walking concordance, you know. No, actually, Pastor Rich is. In our meetings, I was like, Pastor Rich, what does it say? Romans 10, 17 says this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by what? You know, preaching is like the craziest thing ever. 
I mean, some guy gets up, rants for 40 minutes, and we go out going, man, I feel better than when I came in. That's the weirdest thing. In any other environment, you'd go, man, that guy needs to shut up. Who does he think he is? But in the church, God has done something, even says that by the foolishness of preaching. So I know what I do on any given Sunday. You guys are all sweet here. But on Sunday, we get some interesting folk in here that, that are like going, this is stupid. And I can tell by the way they're looking at me, like they're just going, man, dude, I so don't believe what you're saying. You know what? I have a lot of compassion for that and grace because I used to sit out there and cat scan preachers too. I mean, I was checking them out, watching them, going, they really believe that. This is a scam. This isn't real. I mean, I'm serious. I was that way. And so I understand that. So, so this crazy thing called preaching, when you hear preaching, it actually begins to build faith on the inside of you. The power of a testimony. Uh, we, we had the privilege, Terry and and Roy shared their testimony in our singles class, our SWAT group, on Sunday afternoon. And, and they shared it, and we were stirred, we were touched, we were encouraged, we were inspired. We are ready to go bite off a crowbar or something. I mean, just with faith, amen? Because God is so good. Charge the gates of hell with a super soaker, amen? Why? Because God is good. And when you hear what God has done in the life of somebody else, it stirs faith. The preaching of the Word of God stirs faith because God's Word goes forth and it will not return void. It literally accomplishes a work because His Word is powerful. Amen? Paul even had, had to calm the Philippian church down because the Philippians were upset because some people were preaching in presumption. And actually abusing the word. And Paul even said, look, even if it's going out for the wrong reason, if it's the word of God, it will accomplish something. Philippians chapter 2, check it out, Philippians 3. Paul says, even if they're doing it in presumption, it's going to accomplish something because it's God's word, even if it's being delivered through a messed up vessel. I don't know if y'all have ever wondered, like, how can that guy, you know, you find out somebody's been in sin for years, you know, a famous preacher, and you're like... Man, they built this big ministry and people were getting saved. Does that mean no one got saved? No, the word still works. Eventually that will blow up. You can't coast on that forever, amen? But God's word does work even when it's delivered through a jacked up vessel. That should be good news to every person here, including me. Because I know I don't have to be perfect to be. I just have to be his son. Understand the power of grace and mercy. All right, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Here's the last thing tonight, and this is where we started, and we're going full circle here. You have a part to play. You have a part to play. I truly believe, and I don't believe this in presumption. I don't say this every year, but this year I have a greater expectation for what God wants to do with Grace Point Church of bringing us up on the radar screen. God is stirring some things very deep here. We've got... Everybody in the right seat on the bus, so to speak. I mean, I don't know about you, but I just want to be on the bus. I don't care if I'm driving it. I just want to be on it. But hey, we've got people in the right seat. We've got things in place. Things are coming together. Order has come to the house. We have strategy. We know where we're going. We know what God has told us to do. We know what God is saying. Therefore, it's like when you have a target, you can shoot at it. When you have a goal, you can shoot toward the goal. When you have a tape to run to, a finish line, you can run straight to the tape. We have a finish line. We have what we believe to be the finished product in sight. It's called vision. Knowing that God is going to use this church to touch your family, to touch your kids, to touch your co-workers. God is going to use this house to touch this city. 
And now God is using this house to impact Dallas-Fort Worth. I was on the phone last night for an hour with Rice Brooks and Billy Gaines and then later Danny McDaniel. They're blown away that Abilene, Abilene is the talk of every nation right now. And I, I am bragging on you, by the way. That's what a good daddy does. That's my, those are my people. Yeah, that's right. They're mine. I'm proud of you. Because so many people have said, no, we want to be a part of Dallas. We want to help Bethel. We want to get this thing started. And guess what, folks? When, when, when that thing is rocking and rolling, guess what? San Antonio's on, on the radar screen. Hey, it's about the same drive. I don't know about you. I love San Antonio because I do love Mexican food. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I love San We used to live in San Antonio. We love San Antonio. So, so man, we're going to be able to help out San Antonio as well. Let me tell you, God is going to use Abilene, Grace Point Church, to impact Texas. Amen. We are so on the radar screen of, of our highest leaders in our movement right now. They're, they're blown away that our church already has done what we've done. And I'm just bragging on you because you deserve to be bragged on. You're awesome. You're amazing. Every person here has a part to play. You're like, well, what can I do? I can't preach. What's well, a good thing? We'd never get anything done if we all preached. Amen? It's a good thing only about 50 of us can here. So... <laughs> But we can all, listen, we can stack chairs. We can, we can, we can wipe babies' butts. Come on, we, got, we can do stuff. Everybody's got skills. We've all got abilities. We can stack chairs. We can hand out bulletins. We can greet people at a door coming into a hotel in Louisville, Texas. Everybody has a part to play. Everybody has something to do. There's something for everybody. And you know what? Here's the deal. If you see a need, you're the one to meet the need. So don't be going, tackling Pastor Rich, going, hey, come fix it. I'm, you're the one because you've been gifted. You have faith and you have a part to play. And so this year, as we begin looking into 2011, saying, God, use us. Use us to make a difference. Use us. This is not a place where it's a pass the buck mentality. This is not that. That may be your job where you have very defined lines and, and, and you've got, man, you've got to go through certain. This is a place where it's all hands on deck and everybody is needed. I'm telling you here right now, tonight, you're needed. You're needed. You're needed, Cindy. And even though you're in Dallas, Fort Worth, you're needed in Louisville, Claire, now that you're there. You're needed. Jerry, you're needed. This man serves his church so faithfully, he has for years. What you don't, he'll walk the grounds on Sunday morning, pick up all the beer cans. Trust me, there's some. Uh, you should be collecting those. You'd be making some <laughs> buck, making some coin if you just start, a, start your own little can there. But, I mean, for years, he's just, he's wrong, no fanfare. It's not on his job description. He just does it. There's so many people, unsung heroes, Helen Harris here, who watches the kids uh, while people are in prayer and while people are in the foundation's first class. You know, that's not in her job description. She just does it because she loves this house. And she loves kids. Thank you for loving our kids. Sammy up here, I mean, putting in hours, time, song, learning all these songs, leading us to the throne of grace. He does, he's a volunteer. He does it because he loves the house, loves God. He's serving appreciate what you do everybody has a part to play and it may not be with a microphone or it may, there's a million things to do you know what real leaders do because the whole idea behind leadership is serving 
We think leadership means you're sitting on top of the pile. <laughs> you're on top of the heap. But real leadership is that you're actually at the bottom of the pile. I love what, uh, what John Maxwell wrote a book called 360 Degree Leadership, where you lead from the middle, not the top. 360 degrees, you lead from the middle of the pack, not the, not the top. I don't know about you guys. I don't want to be president. Would, would any of you really want that? No, let me lead from the middle of the pack. Amen? Let me make a difference. Well, I love every one of you. I'm so excited about 2011. We are, this Sunday, we're shifting gears a little bit, just so you'll know what's coming. Let me, let me read the scripture to you, and then we'll go, okay? Uh, let's land the plane with this, and I'll, I'll tell you what's coming this Sunday. The body is a unit, and though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. All of us have a part to play, but we actually come together, and we're one body, one church, one people. Now, look what it says. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. In other words, no matter where we came from, we're all brought together under the banner of Christ. He says this, and we were all given one spirit to partake of, to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Okay, Think of your own physical body, your limbs, your fingers, all your appendages. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand... I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be the body. How many know if your foot doesn't show up in the middle of the night because it went to sleep and you're up going to the bathroom, you're going to fall down. You may know what I'm talking about. If it, just, if it ceases to work, that's called dysfunction. And you now have a dysfunctional body. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't know if that's ever happened to you. It has to me. Here I go. Wham. It's like, what happened? My leg went to sleep. Here we go. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. Here's the thing about it. If you don't show up when we gather together, and Hebrews tells us not to forsake the assembling, if you don't show up, it's like one of your body parts deciding not to work. So what would happen if your right arm decided not to show up tomorrow? Do you think you'd be rendered dysfunctional? Oh, you could cope. You could manage, you could adjust, but would you be fully functional? No, you would be dysfunctional. And most of the body of Christ is dysfunctional. All of our local assemblies, because not everybody shows up. Well, they don't need me. Yes, we do. Did you know your ministry of presence is more powerful than any talent you have? Ministry of presence. Ministry of presence. You being here brings more impact and energy than you could ever dream of because you carry the, the aroma, the fragrance of Christ. And so when you're not here, we miss that part of it. All right? If the whole body were an eye, would, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Keep going. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. By the way, you didn't come here because you picked it. You think you did. But God had, he ordered your steps. Steps of the just are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in the details of their lives, the scripture tells us. So he's, he's bringing this body together. And because you're here, it means you're necessary. Mm-hmm. And God brought you here. Right. You think you chose? No, God, God's been working on this a long time. But in fact, he has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Next. If we were all... If they were all one part, where would the body be? You'd look like that leg lamp in that Christmas story movie. You know what I'm talking about? It's just weird. It looks sick. It looks deformed. If we just all, that, it's, that's like the most ugly, useless lamp on the planet because it's just a leg. 
It's weird. As it is, y'all know I have an active imagination, right? My mind just goes. As it is, there are many parts but one body, okay? The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. You think you don't have anything to give? We need you. The reason we need you is because you need us too. Because by us working together, you get developed. And you get defined. I never found definition for my life until I became a member of the body of Christ and started attending church. And then somebody in the church goes, I think you have a preaching gift. Seriously? I just want to play guitar. No, no, no. You have a... No, I think you have a gift. No one outside the church told me that. It was people in the body begin to identify giftings in me. I think you have leadership on your life. No, 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 no. I just want to hide behind a big amp and a lot of guitars. I just want to hide behind a wall of sound. I just want to be somebody different. No, no, no. You have a leadership gift. You're called to preach. I am? Had I not have been a part of the body of Christ, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now, what I'm born to do. I'd be out there floundering going, what am I supposed to do at 48 years of age? What am I supposed to be? Does that make sense? All right, let's finish this up. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. God, if you feel insignificant that you don't matter in this thing, you need to understand God sees you as special. And you're to be treated that way so that you can be developed and your part becomes presentable. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, God has combined the members, honor the parts that lacked it. Let's keep going. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what you do in this house. There, there, is no, there is no level. There is no hierarchy. There is no caste system here. You may feel that, but it's not. It's not. That's why it doesn't bother me to mop the floors or pick up trash or, or do anything in this church. And we've done it all. Lord knows. Our, we'll just do it all because... It doesn't matter. I'm not, just because I'm the senior pastor doesn't mean I can't mop and carry out trash and sweep up and scrape gum off the floor in the hallway. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Help load a truck or whatever needs to be done because it's all important. Everything is important. No division. All right, let's keep going. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. That's where we have the maturity to celebrate your victory, to celebrate your breakthrough, but also to have the empathy that when you're hurting, to know, I need, I need, to, be, I need to be with you in this thing. Okay, keep going. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you is a part of it. Please don't ever think just because you don't have a microphone or you don't play an instrument or you don't sing or you don't run a soundboard or what, that you don't have anything. You're a part of this thing, and every part matters. Amen? Let's all stand together. Father, in Jesus' name, we bless you. We honor you. Father, I thank you that you have created the body of Christ beautiful, stunning, 
And Lord, every person here has a part in this, and I'm so grateful for every person. It's even here tonight on a Wednesday, a cold Wednesday night. They've come out because they know there's something up. God, you are working. And Lord, we bless you. I bless each person's here. Help them understand how valuable every person is. In Jesus' name, everyone said.